Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favor. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Take a seat in the pastor's office. Right. the frequency, tune in. Get up, word. Reverend Jonathan Mason. Oh, yes, you should. Take a minute, turn the radio up. And take a seat. Live in local Phillies, Steve, for 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. It's your brother, Brother Marcus, and I am in the pastor's office with a special guest. A lot of people want to hear this conversation today, and I am with Councilwoman Jamie Gardier, and I am excited that she is with us today. She's going to share a lot of insights, and I'm going to also ask a lot of questions, so get ready to be blessed. How are you doing today, Councilwoman? Good afternoon, Brother Marcus. I'm doing well. Good, good. I know that you're out here in Philadelphia making a difference. And uh, before we go any further, I just want to say it was great running into you the other day at, uh, I forget, it was a Philly Films Festival or something to that effect. A, I can't remember the yeah. name. Yeah, because you're the art everywhere. Art social change event, yeah. Yes, you are absolutely everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm trying to be. <laughs> but you're everywhere making a difference, and that's the biggest thing that we need right now. So I want to get right into it and talk about the new initiative that you guys are working on right now in Philadelphia, the Reparations Task Force. Let's talk about yeah. that. Yes. So um, this session in council, um, I worked with a group called uh, Incobra to introduce and pass a resolution that would create a reparations task force in the city of Philadelphia. And this task force would look at Philadelphia's, you know, whether what Philadelphia's role was um, in uh, American slavery and would also identify what Philadelphia's role should be um, in providing, you know, uh, some type of recompense. Um, for slavery. And I think the reason why, you know, this is so important is because if you look at um, the status of our communities, if you look at the gun violence that's happening, if you look at um, the housing crisis, if you look at um, the the lack of wealth um, within Black communities in particular, I think you can make a direct tie to American slavery. And everything that happens after that um, that ensure that black people would be blocked from opportunity um, in this country. Mm. And one of the things that I really enjoy about uh, meeting you and knowing you and seeing you in action is that you're always out trying and actually making a difference. So one of the questions that I have is, is what is your greatest strength when you're going out into the community to make a difference? What What are some of the things that, that really... Um, that gives you that motivation. Yeah. Um, one, this, I've wanted to be in this job for a very long time, probably for a decade before I even ran for office. 
And the reason why it was so important for me to be here um, is that I love Philadelphia. I love the neighborhoods of West and Southwest Philadelphia in particular. And it's been my driving mission to help residents um, to, to, you know, change their communities for the better and uh, create communities where they can thrive. So I think the number one, my first strength is that I'm really, I come into this job in a way that is very uh, mission oriented. Um, My second strength is that I love to be in community. I love to listen to people and I use what I hear every day to inform my policy making. So everything that we're doing in my office to try to affect change in the 3rd District and beyond is based upon the direct uh, feedback and thoughts and wishes and desires um, of the people that I represent. And I think that's allowed me to be uh, very passionate um, at my job and and successful um, at my job as well. You're you're absolutely successful at your job. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen what you've done. And even when, um, now my wife is a a principal out in Philadelphia. And, you know, when she speaks to you and calls on you, you're, you're always there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and your wife is amazing. She's doing, you know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful work. But your work is is really uh, is is what we want to focus on today because you're such an awesome person. My next question would would be this: <laughs> um, um, What is your personal connection to Philadelphia? Um, I'm born and raised here. Um, I am, you know, I was born in King Sessing, um, in the district that I represent right now, um, and I've never wanted to live anywhere else. Um, I think Philadelphia is the best city, you know, in the country, and you know, we're not perfect. Have to improve upon, but I truly would never want to be anywhere else. And I think we're uh, unique um, and have the best place for the people and, and neighborhoods. And so my tie is that I've always been here and never wanted to be uh, anywhere other than here. And, and we and we can tell that that your heart is all about Philadelphia first. You know, we can tell that because we see it. I've seen you on the news on various occasions, how you're advocating for, you know, those who don't have what they need, but you're making a way so that they will have what they need to make it. And the biggest thing that I see is you're always trying to put people in the position to give back and just do, because Philadelphia is a great city to be a part of. Now, um, what would you say to some younger people that want to get into uh, politics, and I don't want to use politics as the, the, the overall theme, but I'm saying get into a position like you to make a change, but they don't know how to get into position to make a change. What would you, what would you say to them? Um, I would say, one, have a vision of what you want to accomplish and of the career that would speak um, to your passion. Um, which has been an important thing for me. And then second, I would say, try to put yourself in the places that can help you 
um, to implement that vision or meet people that can help you to implement that vision, right? And so mm-hmm. um, I, know, I knew I wanted to run for office for a very long time because I thought that that would help me to um, do the community work that I always have been interested in. And so when that became clear to me, I started volunteering um, on, you know, with the Neighborhood uh, Community Association. I actually was the president of our community association. I joined various boards that were doing um, work, especially in West Philadelphia. Um, I, you know, applied for a grant project even outside of my, my work that would help me to carry out um, a program called Mommy Grads that I created um, and show what I could do um, in a leadership position. So I had a vision for myself, and I tried to cultivate the experiences that would move me further to that vision. And so I do think you have to be uh, very intentional in that way. Absolutely, absolutely. And you are... Uh, very intentional. You show up at a lot of places, and I'm I'm really overwhelmed with you know your being in the streets and meeting people where they are, and and not acting like you are not reachable. You are always reachable, and that's one of the beautiful things. And I'm I'm saying this firsthand. Well, I'll say secondhand because of my wife's connection to you. So every time she you know calls on you, you're there, which is awesome because it's hard to catch people who are in the political realm to to really come out and meet the needs of the people because some people aren't focused on the needs of the people. They're focused on other things, but you are all about the people. Yes, absolutely. Now, let me ask you this, because there's so many things happening, you know, in the city of Philadelphia, you know, gun violence is one of those issues that we're, you know, we're hearing about all the time. And, I, you know, I definitely would need to ask you and your thoughts uh, about gun violence, what can we do to change what's happening? Um, I think I think we can do a, a lot of things. So, so I'll I'll start there. I've never been of the mind that I thought we had to be helpless in this situation. I do think that gun violence is a hard issue to deal with, um, but I think locally we can bring a lot of things to the table. Now, coming off of the mass shooting that happened on July 3rd, um, obviously that's very present for me um, and for the people in my community. Um, I think a big part of how we prevent instances like that mass shooting is curtailing access um, to weapons of war, essentially, um, and making sure that we have culturally competent, accessible um, mental health care within our, our community. Um, and so, you know, of course, the state and federal government has a lot of uh, sort of authority over gun control, but that's something that the city should continue um, to push our state and federal partners around. All right. We are still alive and local with one of Philadelphia's own council members, councilwoman, Jamie Gardier. I always say her name wrong, but uh, we're continuing to ask her some great questions. And the next question that I have is we heard in our, our um, conversation a moment ago how she was sharing with us, really, we were talking about gun violence, but we were also speaking about mental health. What are we doing or what can we do to help people with their mental health issues? Well, I think um, we definitely have to have more access for our residents in our communities um, and, you know, mental health care offered by people who look like us, right? And so I've actually Mm -hmm. been 
pleased with some of the developments to this regard in um, West and West Philadelphia. So, for instance, we have a brand new state-of-the-art um, CHOP mental health um, facility at 46 and Market um, for young people. This is critical as suicide among young people has skyrocketed during the pandemic. So we very much need access to this in our community. We are reopening the crisis center um, at the hospital that was formerly Mercy at 54th and Cedar. Now it's called um, the, the uh, public health campus on Cedar. Um, but we're going to be reopening the crisis center there, which was heavily used, and we're also bringing expanded mental health care for young people um, to that facility. So I think we need more of that in in our communities where people are, um, you know, easily accessible, uh, affordable mental health care. And I also think we have to go into communities, like with what happened um, in King Sassing, uh on July 3rd. We need to be following up with uh, the victims' families, but also people who live on those blocks to make sure that they understand um, the mental, what mental uh, health care resources are available to them. And Absolutely. so those are some of the things that I'm driving towards um, in this in this role. And and uh, you know what? This I, every time I, I see you out and about, and I keep going back to this, I'm always mesmerized and impressed because you're really trying to go, not trying, but you're doing these great things that a lot of other folks who have the position and the power they really don't do. And I'm not taking shots at anybody. I'm just calling it as I see it, and I commend you. On your on your work and all of your efforts that you're putting forth you to so make much. Philadelphia, yes, yeah, somebody's got to tell you if they they telling you in private, I'm telling you in public. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That means a lot to me, truly. Yeah, a lot of people are watching you, and um, they're not saying anything, but they are watching you. But I think it's time for people to step up and start, you know, supporting you and giving you, you know, their input not just the negative things that they see in the city, but how hard you're working. Now, what are Thank some you. other things that you want people to know about what you're doing and, and other initiatives that they really need to know about? What are some of the things you want to share with, with the public? Sure. So housing, uh, affordable housing will continue to be at the core of my agenda. We're experiencing a housing crisis um, in the city of Philadelphia and in West and Southwest Philly. And so um, I'm trying to work with policy um, and, you know, to create programs that will ensure that people have access to affordable housing, whether that's rental housing, whether that's affordable homeownership, or whether that's helping people in communities make critical repairs so they can stay um, in their in their homes. That's an area that I work in a lot. And, and also trying to combat um, gentrification. I think it's great that we have so many people that want to be in Philadelphia, but I don't think that that should come at the expense of the longtime people who have been stewarding these neighborhoods. So those are areas that will continue to be um, core for me. But I also work a lot in the, in the gun violence prevention space. Um, this next year on council, I'm going to be looking specifically at ways we can prevent um, the gun violence that's happening among young people. We're seeing more young people on both sides of the gun, and I think we have to look um, in particular at interventions and strategies of preventing that. 
um, because our young people are precious. And then lastly, um, I would say workforce development. My district in, in particular has become a global hub for the growth of uh, the life sciences industry. And we're seeing a lot of companies um, start and grow here that are trying to offer some kind of gene and cell therapy. Um, and I want to make sure that that turns into jobs for black and brown people in West in Southwest Philadelphia and throughout the city. Um, and then the reparations task force, getting that off of the ground and making it meaningful um, to, to people. Wow. You have your plate full, but I know that you yeah. can handle it. You're, you're a strong, you're a strong person, period. And we're excited that you've taken, taken the time out to be on Philly's favor today, because I know you could be doing a bunch of other things, but I'm so glad that you were able to let the folks know that you're out here, you're working, you're rep representing them and letting them know that everything is going to get so much better. Now, my next question is this, and I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there and I want you to, to put it out there. People need, okay. they need good folks like you. They need good leaders like you. How can folks contact you? Oh, absolutely. So you can reach me at my office at 215-686-0460. Um, you can reach me and my team by email at thirddistrict at phila.gov, P-H-I-L-A.gov. And you can find me on every social media platform, Facebook, Twitter, and IG at, at CouncilmemberJT. And we welcome um, people to reach out to us. Yes, we're encouraging everybody to reach out to Councilwoman Jamie Gaudier. I am so excited that you had this opportunity to, to pause in the busyness of your day <laughs> to join us on Philly's Favor. Listen, folks, I want you all to make sure if you want to see great change, you want to make sure you reach out to uh, Ms. Gaudier and her team at the 3rd District. And the number again, can everybody get that number again? 215 all right, you heard it first, right here on Philly's Favor, 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. Stay close. We'll be right back. Live in local Phillies, Favor 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. We are in the pastor's office, taking over his office again today. And today we have another special guest, Representative Justin Fleming. He is the, he is a first term representing the 105th legislative district in Dauphin County, a suburban district outside of North Harris, North and East Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So we're excited to have have him here with us today. How you doing, Mr. Fleming? I'm doing well, Brother Marcus. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. There's so much that we want to cover, but I want you to let our listeners know a little bit about yourselves because it's, it's better when they hear it from you. I know that you grew up in uh, impoverished situations and, you know, you relied on public housing like most of us, but you have made some great changes and strides to become the professional that you are today. Uh, yes, sir, I have, and, and it's been fortunate. I've been extremely fortunate, um, and I think, you know, a large reason why I ran and a large part of, you know, my philosophy is that it was government intervention that helped my family and I uh, ascend from, you know, a lower-income status, helped 
build us toward the middle class, helped my father become a homeowner. I got, you know, we, we availed ourselves of um, food stamps when we needed it, free and reduced lunch at school. I got an excellent K-12 education. Um, you know, the public invested in me by, uh, you know, I paid my way through Millersville University and was able to do that because of the grace of public student loans and things like that. So it was, it was those, uh, those helping hands uh, from, from our government that made investments in me and helped me to become the person I am. And unfortunately, with income inequality the way it is and, and the lack of the disinvestment that the government has made in certain areas like um, K-12 education, early learning, and higher education, uh, unfortunately, a story like mine is becoming less and less common today. Uh, and that's why I want to reverse that trend, and that's why I ran for office to try and help as many people as possible. All right. Well, we sure appreciate you coming on today and sharing, you know, what you've uh, experienced and what you've been going through. Now, it is true that you've um, spent nearly 18 years in and around state and government as an advocate to expand mental health care. Yes, sir. So I, I the first six and a half years of my career in public service was uh, with someone who I know your listeners will be familiar with, Governor Ed Rendell. Uh, former mayor of Philadelphia. Uh, I worked in the Rendell administration for six and a half years with three different state agencies. Uh, my last assignment was press secretary for the Department of Agriculture. Um, you know, once it became clear that Governor Corbett was going to succeed Governor Rendell, I uh, stepped into uh, lobbying and advocacy. And for 12 years, I spent an amazing 12 years as a mental health and child advocate. Um, working with the General Assembly to, you know, destigmatize mental health care, pour more resources into mental health care, and uh, and then I became a child advocate and began to advocate for things like early learning, K through 12 education, child welfare, children's health care, and much more. So uh, I have had an absolutely blessed career, uh, and I have really appreciated the opportunity to to be able to advocate for all those years, but. And I thought it would be, you know, the relationships I've built with members of the General Assembly and, and staff in the Capitol building, uh, I thought that would serve me well uh, in terms of uh, coming to a position like this and becoming a member and trying to help uh, effectuate change inside as one of 203 members of the, of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. Wow. So you're really, you're really in this, like, you know, both feet in. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it, it is, it is, I mean, and, and in addition to my, in addition to my service and my, my, uh, you know, I, I served as a local government official. I was a township commissioner here in my, in my home township in Susquehanna Township for eight years. And I was chair of our budget committee, chair of our public safety committee. And so this is, uh, you know, I, I really live by an ethic of service above self. I really do believe that, uh, you know, because of the trajectory of my life and because of the things I've been able to do, uh, I have a debt to pay. And my, mm. my, again, my hope is to, my hope is to, in this position, uh, th this is not about me. I do not, I mean, I, I appreciate the opportunity, but the interviews and, you know, appearing on television news and, and things like that, those are ancillary benefits that come with the position. But my desire is to serve uh, my neighbors, my constituents, and make sure we can improve uh, the lives of tens of thousands of people in my district. 
and millions across the Commonwealth. And, and you know, I, I, I definitely believe exactly what you're saying, simply because when you said, you know, the, you know, the state has taken care of you when you were younger and welfare and food stamps and all of that, and you said, I have a debt to pay. That is, yes, sir. Yeah, that's just powerful because some people they like to take, take and never give, but you're, you've taken and then you're giving back, but you're giving even more of yourself back into the communities that helped you. Well, and, and not only that, but, but my philosophy on government is really Christ centered, right? I, I grew up, um, when I was young, I attended St. Paul's Baptist Church here in, in Harrisburg and, um, you know, have always been a person of faith. And so with that as a foundation, I think it also guides my viewpoint in terms of how to serve. And, and especially when we talk about taking care of the least of these, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. that is something that has always resonated with me, you know, do so humbly. And, and, and one of, uh, you know, I'll tell this quick story. One of the running a campaign uh, can be incredibly uh, difficult time-consuming and taxing. You spend a lot of time away from your family. But And, and I hope she won't get upset with me telling this story, but one of the best <laughs> parts of, of the campaign was um, I, would, I would speak periodically, especially during the primary when I had a Democratic opponent, I would speak periodically with uh, Speaker McClinton. And mm-hmm. at, the conclusion, at the conclusion of our phone calls, she would always offer to pray with me and for wow. me. Wow. And, and everyone, you know, every time I knocked on a door and somebody told me they'd be praying for me, it was, it would help uplift me that much more because, you know, and I'd say, regardless of their faith, I'd say prayers are always welcome because Absolutely. Uh, it is, it is what we need. That, that faith does sustain me and the faith to the faith that guided me um, in, in this direction. I mean, it was, it, it, it almost just given the circumstances of what I've been through in my life, the things I've done both personally and professionally, it's almost like, it's almost like this was ordained and I don't want to, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say I have a divine right to this seat or anything like that. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't want folks to misunderstand me, but it really, as I looked at the circumstances that brought me to this place, you know, the, the, you know, my entire life, the, the area I represent had always been, you know, this district had always leaned Republican and not to get too political, but that was just the reality. You know, we had a Republican state representative, uh, you know, one of whom I interned for 20 years ago when I was in college. Um, but I just never thought my area would, I never thought it would have the opportunity to serve like this. So the fact that I'm here, the fact that I'm able to do it, with the blessing of my family has, has been, um, has just been a true, uh, a, a blessing. And, um, you know, with the support of my family, I, I am, I'm really appreciative of this opportunity that has been placed before me. And, and now again, uh, like I said before, there is a, there is a debt to pay and, and I am on my way to way to doing that. And, and you're absolutely doing it. One of what, what I've uh, heard you say when you said family, it, it really struck me, and, and in a positive way, of course. Now let's talk about you know your family. You have a, a wife and, and two children. Yes, sir. My wife and I met when we were in high school um, here locally in, in Susquehanna Township. Uh, we've been together for 26 years. We've been married. It'll be uh, 22 years in August. Sorry. 
I just made have to have to make sure I have the math right. Um, so it happens, years right? In August, <laughs> and we have two wonderful children. I have a 16 year old son. I have a 10 year old daughter. Uh, my daughter has some health challenges of her own, um, and so that has really informed, um, you know, part of part of why I am doing this as well. You know, it's not only so you know my daughter can get the care she needs, but uh, you know, many other many other folks are in her position, and I, if you don't mind me sharing, I mean, my daughter has type one diabetes. She was diagnosed during the pandemic, and type one diabetes. And I know folks deal uh, a lot of folks, especially in our communities, deal with diabetes. Um, you know, it runs in my family. In fact, um, you know, as as a black man, I know I'm I'm always hyper aware of that being around the corner, especially since I have a family history. Um, Type 2 is a little different. Type 2 is a little more controllable with diet and exercise. Type 1 is an autoimmune disorder. So um, mm-hmm. there's really nothing you can do to, you know, uh, protect yourself from type 1. If you have the genotype, and they're, they're still researching uh, what exactly the triggers are um, mm-hmm. to, you know, um, that, that, you know, causes someone to contract type 1 or causes that to cause that condition to be present in the body. But, um, but it's, it's so important that it's, it's everyday management of her blood glucose, making sure we try to have it in the right range. And so, you know, when I, when I was knocking on doors, one of my, and, and I've, I've been an advocate for healthcare access for, for many, many years, not only as an advocate, um, but certainly, you know, when my, when uh, my daughter was diagnosed, and, you know, you hear horror stories about people rationing insulin because they can't afford it. Insulin, insulin is a, it's a life-saving drug. Without mm-hmm. access to insulin, my daughter will perish. And it's, you know, I hate to be, I hate to be, um, you know, put too, too fine a point on it, but that's the reality. Um, so, so we need, I need to work hard to make sure that people have healthcare access, not only for my daughter's sake, but for the sake of many others um, out there who may have T1D and other life-saving uh, or other afflictions where they need life-saving medication. So my family is a huge reason why I do what I do. And again, I, I, I am truly blessed because it's, it's not, it's not easy. And if, if you have any, um, you know, if you have any public servants, politicians on your show, um, I, I'm sure they will tell you too. You cannot do this job, and you cannot do it effectively without proper buy-in from from your family. Uh, they need to be mm-hmm. on board. When I made the decision to run, I made that decision hand in hand with my wife. And if if you know if if we did not think we could manage that as a family, um, you know, I I would have had to put my personal ambition aside. But fortunately. Um, you know, we, we both made the decision. We made the decision collectively as a family that I was going to pursue this route, and, and so far it's worked out. Powerful. So You know what I, I truly appreciate is that you are, your openness and your honesty of sharing um, about <laughs> your family. No, I'm serious because yeah. this, is a, this is very important that people can see the humanistic side of those who are in positions like yourself. There are certain people that are in these positions that won't share the most intricate details of their lives, and it gives more context to 
how you operate and why you operate. So I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. Um, what is your biggest accomplishment outside of being a great father to your children and a great husband to your wife? What has been one of your uh, biggest accomplishments? Professionally, I would say part of our advocacy work. So, um, you know, when I was with the National Association of Social Workers, Pennsylvania chapter, uh, we, I worked to get a, uh, a bill passed um, to grant licensure to bachelor's level social workers. Um, to mm. perform frontline, to perform frontline social work services. You know, it's, if you have a, most of the social workers providing mental health services are, are either licensed social workers or licensed clinical social workers. You know, we made it clear that we didn't want bachelor's level social workers hanging a shingle and doing that work, but, um, to work in our, in our, you know, human services departments, to work in our child welfare departments. I thought it was, uh, we thought it was important as an organization to, um, have a credential that would distinguish someone uh, as a licensed bachelor social worker. So when they stepped in the door with that credential, you knew they were qualified to do that work. Um, another thing we worked on is uh, I worked for the Pennsylvania Psychological Association, um, and we we made we made changes to the Psychological Practice Act um, that that bolstered psychologists and the clients they serve. Uh, we made changes to that act for the first time in 30 years. Uh, that act hadn't been touched, and we made necessary changes. Uh, another big thing that's coming down that I hope happens soon is is uh, uh, the ability for psychologists, which with additional training, to be able to prescribe uh, mental health medication because uh, we we do not have that many psychiatrists. Um, and the, the, the distinction there's a there's a distinct with uh, there's a distinction. So psychologists are PhD level. Uh, mental health professionals. Uh, psychiatrists are physicians, so they do rotations, and then they choose psychiatry as a as a uh, an area of concentration. And so, mm-hmm. only, right now, only only physicians can prescribe. So, psychologists, your primary care physician, you know, and and you know, oftentimes the 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 peril with that is a primary care physician may not know. Um, you know, what, what are the proper, uh, medications to prescribe? Um, you know, how they may interact with medications that a patient's already on. So, uh, giving that, giving that privilege to psychologists, I think would be very beneficial to a lot of, uh, a lot of people, particularly, you know, Philadelphia, I think has a fair number of psychiatrists and mental health professionals, but particularly in, in more rural areas, like where I live in Dauphin County and, um, here in, in the central part of the state, um, where we don't have a lot of psychiatrists, uh, it would, it would fill that gap. And then, uh, you know, finally my work with, um, uh, a statewide nonprofit organization called Pennsylvania Partnerships for Children, you know, getting millions, tens of millions of dollars in increases for pre-K and child care, making sure, um, making sure thousands more kids every year could access high quality, uh, pre-K through the pre-K counts program. Uh, I think those, those things are going to pay dividends well into our future. I mean, it's, it's a long-term investment. It, it won't, you know, it will not have a short-term impact, but the long-term impact is incalculable. So, um, you know, just I am I'm so proud of the work that I've been able to do, both 
uh, as a member of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, um, you know, under the Rendell administration. And, 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 and I had a really good career as an advocate. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed what I was doing. Um, but this is just this, this, it felt like a calling to be able to do mm-hmm. this job and be in this space at this moment. Um, and so it, it was, it was, uh, like I say, I'm very fortunate to be here and, and doing the work that I'm doing. Well, we're very fortunate to have you as a representative. We're very fortunate to have you on Philly's favor. And uh, you are definitely an accomplished person. And we need people like you that are not just about one thing, but about all people in all situations. And especially one thing that touched my heart is the children, how you are really going all out, you know, not just for your children, but, you know, but for everybody's. But mainly you have a driving force. When you talk about your daughter, I could feel it. So I'm so gracious, gracious and thankful that you were able to join us today. Now, before we even, uh, you know, leave the show, I want people to be able to contact you. We need to have that information. So if people are looking for, you know, some resources, some help, or some insight, how can they contact you? Well, I do, I do want to say right off the bat, uh, there is, uh, obviously, I am I am way way out of uh, your legislative district uh, uh, down in Philadelphia, and and I will say it is an extreme pleasure and privilege to work with the members of the Philadelphia delegation as colleagues. Um, you know, obviously, we've got the the folks in leadership, uh, Speaker Joanna McClinton, and and you know that's uh, another thing I want to add here, Brother Marcus. I mean. It, one of the one of the best things about my tenure so far in the general assembly um you know i i was able to get a bill passed but one of the best things that i've been able to do so far was cast a vote for joanna mcclinton as our second uh black and first woman speaker of the pennsylvania house i mean regardless mm. of what i do personally being able to do that and being a part of that historic moment i will always always be grateful for um, you know, so, and, and like I say, Speaker McClinton means so much to me, uh, you know, personally, even before I was a member, uh, we had a great relationship, uh, you know, when I would visit her office as an advocate, um, her becoming democratic leader and, uh, but, you know, appropriations chair Harris, I'm on the appropriations committee, uh, Jordan Harris, oh, wow. is a spectacular chairman of that committee. Um, you know, another member of the Philly delegation, Jason Dawkins, who's the chair of the Labor Committee. And, and you know, we passed his House Bill 1500, which is, uh, you know, the House did, which looks to increase the minimum wage. He's done an exceptional job. Uh, Morgan Cephas, uh, former chair of the Women's Health Caucus. Regina Young, who was on appropriations with me. You know, the list goes on and on. The new members, Tarek Khan, Anthony Bellman. My my personal favorite, who is back, I, I met her when I was doing advocacy work, uh, Representative Ronnie Green. Love her to death. Uh, she has been a champion for, for unions and union labor and increasing the minimum wage for a long, long time. So it's a true blessing. But if, if someone wants to get in contact with me, uh, they can simply send our office an email. It's Rep Fleming, R-E-P-F-L-E-M-I-N-G, at pahouse.net. Uh, our telephone uh, numbers are 717-230-1172. Uh, 
uh, that's our uh, district office number. And then our, our capital number is 717-772-0674. All right. Well, there you have it, Philly Favors listeners, Representative Justin Fleming. He was live with us today. We're so graciously thankful for you being a part of the show. And, uh, and I hope that we get to talk again. Absolutely. I'd love to be on any time. Thank you so much, Brother Marcus. It's been a pleasure. All right. Make it a great day, sir. Thank you. You too. And God bless. Political spiritual, maybe some laughs. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Take a minute, turn the radio Mason.